Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me for this SMIE Consulting Midweek Roundup, coming to you live from the AIEA conference in Washington, D.C. Uh, wrapping up the conference today, uh, after uh, three days of uh, meetings and events, uh, really uh, enjoying this first time coming as an institutional participant, having been here previously as a representative for Education USA as well as another service provider. It's good to be in the sessions, connecting with colleagues at other institutions that are sharing similar challenges and opportunities uh, that they're facing on their campuses uh, related to international issues. Uh, Good to have, I think we have uh, just under 800 registrants and participants in the conference this year. And good to see so many institutions coming from abroad uh, to connect with us in the United States. Uh, we've got, uh, have had some institutional uh, connections here in Mexico, in Ecuador, in uh, Canada, in France, in South Africa. Uh, there's uh, been delegations here from uh, that the uh, State Department has arranged uh, from uh, the ASEAN region, uh, from the Maldives, uh, from other uh, South, uh, very large delegation from Angola, uh, and uh, very happy to be connecting with them uh, during this conference. So we've had uh, some very interesting uh, topics of discussion. A lot of this, uh, the sessions have surrounded topics of DEI, uh, access, inclusion, all of those wonderful uh, pieces of uh, higher education uh, acronym soup that we've been adding into our, uh, to our uh, language in the last few years, but certainly those are front and center here at AIEA and how we're providing access to uh, certain student groups uh, that haven't had opportunities to engage in study abroad, for example, uh, through internationalizing curriculum and what the implications are in intersectionalities, as we talk about here, sectionality, intersections uh, between uh, D what DI typically is meant on U.S. colleges and, and universities, as well as the intersection of where international connects with that and how Frankly, as we've talked about here on the Roundup before, how interconnected those two are and how uh, perhaps they aren't always aligned on our college campuses and uh, certainly many sessions this week focused on how that can happen. It's also been refreshing to hear from colleagues in other countries how they are uh, dealing with the challenges uh, with uh, inclusion and access. Uh, particularly from the public university side. Uh, we've had folks from uh, Brazil uh, from, that have been uh, intimately involved with Fulbright uh, uh, in Brazil at the university, public universities and talking about their, uh, their actual uh, policies and, uh, and regulations that require uh, to provide free education to, to uh, certain groups and have uh, uh, very defined quota systems that they are, uh, have to accommodate for indigenous and other minority communities in their countries. And how one country defines it is not always the same as how others define it and have different challenges, uh, different groups that they're trying to bring into the mix. So it's uh, been uh, very interesting to hear all the different uh, challenges that uh, that they're facing, uh, particularly coming out of the pandemic and hearing stories, particularly from our colleagues in Brazil, how uh, the, at the, on the public university side where they had anything from 90% uh, up to 90% of their budgets cut during the pandemic, from mostly from the Bolsonaro government, uh, significant cuts over the years. So it's uh, really been an interesting uh, challenge watching, uh, watching them kind of 
rejoice, uh, if you will, uh, with the uh, re-election of uh, President Lulu uh, to a power recently and uh, celebrating that as a as a real sea change in Brazilian society and in terms of uh, their ability to operate as universities. But so there's some really, really useful uh, conversations that have been had here on some very relevant topics. Um, we've also talked about uh, the impact in Ch of China and global geopolitics on what we do. Uh, been sessions about specifically about China and um, how do we re-engage? Uh, Karen Fisher from the Chronicle has been featured on several panels uh, through over the last three days, and um, I'll be having the opportunity to present with her uh, and uh, for an ECE uh, professional board, board development uh, activity in the next month or so, next couple months. And um, it's interesting to hear her perspective. And uh, Karen is, as always, I mean, she gets accused of. Uh, being a, a wet blanket at times on the, the golden age of, of uh, U.S. higher international education. Uh, and certainly I think there's a lot of positivity here at the, at the conference uh, related to that and coming out of the, particularly coming out of the pandemic and seeing, uh, seeing budgets start uh, beginning to be restored from, uh, from cuts that, were, that we all experienced during the pandemic. Uh, we're certainly going to be feeling that hopefully at UNLV, uh, where uh, over the course of the pandemic, our institution lost $70 million as a result from state cuts uh, that uh, where money had to be funneled el elsewhere. So uh, we're hoping to be made whole again, at least back to pre-pandemic levels uh, with the legislative session coming up in June. But there are other universities who are uh, getting some of that relief now and uh, being more positive in terms of funding, uh, in terms of their ability to reach out again uh, in person to to colleagues in other countries, uh, to reopen study abroad programs that have been dormant for, for three or four, three years or so. So uh, there's some real energy, and um, it contrasts fairly dramatically with some of the, the negative press we hear. And it's really, uh, I, won't, I won't say it, there's a disconnect, but certainly uh, there's more positive energy driving us forward. And given past histories where post 9-11 there were opportunities that came about that uh, ran counter to what what, what might have normally been expected to re-engage with the Muslim world. Uh, and that was something that institutions were able to rise above uh, the politics of the day and to not only educate their local communities on campus about the value of uh, interconnectedness in the world and uh, becoming, uh, reaching out as institutions to uh, those communities that for lack of a better term, might have been looked down upon or shunned or uh, even seen as, as enemies, uh, whether that be Arab communities in, in the U.S., uh, mosques in the United States, whatever it might be. Uh, that uh, was a lesson we learned in, after 9-11 that we can't disengage. Uh, we have to re-engage, and that's all really all, what international is all about. So a lot of the positivity, I think, comes from those practitioners uh, that have been through the mill before and have come out on the other side and seen the value of really um, not losing focus on uh, engaging with the world. And that is how we grow as, in, as people when we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations to have those conversations that aren't always easy uh, with colleagues and students in other countries. And, uh, and uh, 
there's there's a need for us as as individuals to recognize as as a country we have our flaws as every every country does no one's perfect and recognize that being able to articulate that to students as we go to recruit them to partners as we explain how our politics is uh, how we work with uh, different groups on campus and what the impacts of politics can and are on our campuses uh, the issue of gun violence comes up, and it regularly does. Anti-Asian hate has come up in, in, in sessions. But these are, these are things that are, t- are teachable moments, frankly. Uh, they are problems in our country, yes, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, but then they, and they cannot be glossed over or sugar-coated in any way. But they, they should be addressed. And uh, these are the realities of the world. Uh, you have the realities of uh, life in the United States. Uh, we're in a polarized country. There are... Uh, there are Nothing is an easy conversation nowadays, it seems. Even things, as we found out, um, our um, Nevada institutions are, have just, were just told yesterday that uh, things like uh, TikTok, WeChat, uh, can no longer be used on UNLV, UNLV devices or uh, any state-owned devices uh, for unless they're uh, critical to our mission, our top-tier strategy. Uh, Top tier 2.0 uh, mission-driven uh, enterprises. They've even included Grammarly as a tool that we cannot use uh, unless it's again uh, critical to our our uh, mission as an institution. So it's uh, it's interesting to see uh, and the reasons for this as as that they have been. We've talked about this on the roundup uh, related to. Um, TikTok that certainly has been gotten gotten on the majority of the press lately, uh, as uh, with security concerns about data that personal data that's used uh, or collected through TikTok that is, um, for lack of a better term, not safe uh, by uh, by U.S. security standards. So these are the conversations that are happening. I'm not sure how Grammarly gets on that list as in terms of security, personal data, and that type of thing. But uh, certainly that's something I'll I'll be looking into in the in the coming weeks. But you see so much of that is coming out of politics. Uh, some of it is real, very much real in terms of security concerns and uh, in terms of data sharing. We don't want our data shared with the Chinese government uh, because of the relationship with ByteDance and, uh, and TikTok um, in terms of where that goes. Uh, they have to, uh, if they're a Chinese company, they have to reveal certain data uh, that, that the Chinese Communist Party wants them to reveal. I don't have a choice. So the separation uh, is something the company certainly claims happens, and there is a wall between them. But uh, this is a, this is the nature of the world we live in, with with relate as it relates to politics, and in terms of how that impacts what we do in higher ed, in international ed in particular. So for um, we're not sure how the, all this will shake out yet in terms of. Uh, uh, we have two TikTok teams uh, at UNLV. How that will work in terms of our ability to maintain outreach? Uh, does it affect uh, future vendor agreements that we might be looking to sign that might have uh, WeChat or uh, other Chinese social media components to it that we need to be able to reach students in that market since we don't have physical travel happening there yet? Uh, so there's a lot of issues related to that that bubble to the surface at, at conferences like this. And to be honest with you, this, these, this conference, AIEA, is meant for the senior international educators, uh, officers on campus, and, and oftentimes there may be multiple representatives from a given college, not all are SIOs, obviously. They bring folks in different colleges that are looking to do internationalization work that might be on the study abroad side, that might be on internationalizing the curriculum, uh, maybe any number of different potential 
uh, outlets uh, for for that that involve multiple people from a given institution. But uh, certainly the energy, I think, uh, and the need to re-engage uh, with our colleagues from abroad. Uh, being in D.C., this conference has really attracted, uh, I think, perhaps uh, more uh, overseas uh, university representatives uh, to it. Uh, than perhaps it would have been in, in New Orleans last year. Uh, and obviously we have NAFSA coming up here in May uh, back in D.C., So, uh, which will be probably 10 times as big, if not more, maybe 12 times as big as this, uh, with expected over 10,000 participants there. So getting to see and hear from not only the other SIOs uh, that are attending, uh, what their issues are on, on their campuses, but also hearing from the associations, uh, we um, yesterday had a reception at the Canadian Embassy, uh, and part of that was uh, co-sponsored by uh, OUIE, uh, that is the Organization for International uh, Exchange in the Americas, uh, Cooperation in the Americas, and David Julian that uh, I've gotten to know uh, over the last year. Uh, is uh, key to uh, his organization puts on the CAIE conference, the Conference of the Americas for International Education, uh, that will be happening for the first time in Las Vegas, uh, our first time in the United States, I should say, uh, this coming November 6th to 8th, and uh, we'll be uh, having 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 that in Las Vegas. For, uh, again, UNLV and other Nevada institutions are. are co-host for that event. Uh, we're going to be having the opening event on our campus in Las Vegas, so it's an opportunity for us to connect with institutions uh, across the Americas, from Canada to Chile and everywhere in between. And uh, very, there are a lot of different irons in the fire that uh, lead up to that event coming in, and some fantastic conversations happened here, uh, connecting with the uh, uh, Partners for the Americas, 100,000 Strong in the Americas uh, organization that helps uh, fund a lot of grants, uh, fund, funds grants to universities that are looking to cooperate uh, on programming, whether it be COIL uh, sessions, whether it be more intensive uh, student exchange or uh, degree programs, dual degree programs, those types of things. Uh, those conversations are happening through Partners for the Americas and also uh, getting to connect with the State Department folks from the Western Hemisphere Bureau uh, that are responsible for the kinds of decisions uh, related to in, uh, grants that uh, individual embassies uh, hope to achieve. I'm uh, going to be hearing fairly soon about one in particular that I'm, I might be involved in in April, the end of April in Ecuador, where uh, helping uh, Ecuadorian universities, three in particular, uh, that are looking to internationalize and help them develop uh, kind of skill sets and toolkits to help them take the next steps with their colleges and identifying the kinds of opportunities for study in Ecuador, partnerships with U.S. institutions and other countries. Uh, we have, uh, we'll be doing things on uh, recruitment, on exchanges, on internationalizing curriculum, faculty research, those types of things. That's just invaluable research, or valuable connections that uh, are being reinforced to those participating universities are here at the conference as well, getting to connect them with the uh, State Department folks making those decisions on uh, grants and such, uh, connecting them with the Partners for the Americas, 100,000 Strong. Uh, so some real synergies happening here. Uh, just before coming to uh, to sit down for this this uh, roundup, had the opportunity to chat with um, a colleague at uh, University of Guanajuato in Mexico, uh, someone who uh, whose colleagues I had met at the Ampea conference in uh, 
Chiapas uh, back in October uh, that are potentially leading to, uh, to some cooperative uh, agreements between our two institutions that at that same conference we talked, started talking about CAE. We had folks from two in European institutions as well as uh, a colleague from South Africa that we may be partnering with as well. Uh, we were talking about the CAE conference in Las Vegas and their ears perked up from France and from South Africa and they are like, well, we might want to come to that too because it's an opportunity for institutions who are looking to connect not only within the Americas uh, to, to have an opportunity to, uh, to form partnerships and agreements and those types of things, but also for universities in other parts of the world that might be looking to connect with universities in the, in the Americas. So some fascinating uh, synergies coming out of this in terms of uh, potential for the future. Really energized, always am, for coming out of these conferences uh, when there's those real conversations that are happening cross borders, cross cultures, uh, and in other languages as well. Uh, really, am uh, fascinated to uh, to make the connections that we have been able to do this last uh, last three days. Uh, I mentioned some of the delegations, international delegations uh, that State Department brought through. Uh, because, uh, I mean, I've been in, in international ed now, it'll be 30 years this coming summer, uh, and I've gotten to know so many fantastic educators uh, across the world. Uh, some in particular I've worked with uh, through Education USA, uh, worked with as colleagues on the higher ed side, uh, and sometimes both, uh, one of which uh, has uh, gone back, Rosie Edmonds, uh, maybe uh, familiar to, to those in the EdUSA world, uh, connected with them. She used to be a REAC uh, based in, in Japan, uh, she uh, is now uh, back uh, in the States and has been uh, working on, uh, on, uh, for, as a program officer uh, for South and Central Asia. Uh, she is uh, a good friend and colleague. We used to live uh, in the same town together when she was working at uh, Ohio Northern and I was at the University of Finley for a bit. Uh, she, uh, she, she Facebooked me right before one of the sessions about that was related to these international delegations and said, hey, you need, to, you need to meet the Maldives delegation. Uh, they have someone from the Ministry of Education here. There's uh, from their main institution, uh, higher ed institution, and they want to they want to think about a partnership with uh, UNLV for hospitality. And she, she 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 told her State Department colleagues based at the embassies embassy in Maldives in the Maldives U.S. embassy rep, uh, you need to connect with Lance. And so I was able to do that <laughs> from a Facebook message I got as I'm walking into the session. So um, it is a very small world international education. And the, the, the building blocks of those relationships uh, were formed 15 years ago uh, when I got to know Rosie for the first time when she was at American University College of Law. Um, and that's those are the kinds of relationships that last and they matter. Uh, they all matter. And as I was chatting with a new colleague from Guanajuato, uh, I shared with him, hey, it's these are the relationships, the friendships that you build that start at these conferences that can be can last for decades. And uh, it's really when you invest in those, the time and effort you need to in those relationships, that's when you really see the fruit. Not necessarily immediately, uh, not huge volumes perhaps initially, but relationships that will help you do your job better and uh, make the connections for your institution, for your organization that will last for hopefully many years to come. So lessons from this conference certainly is the, just the importance of the need for in-person uh, events like this where uh, relationships can be re-energized, re uh, where new ones can be found uh, that you weren't expecting, uh, and several of those have happened uh, this week. And it's, uh, it's certainly the kind of uh, 
opportunities that we talk about uh, in our profession, some by chance, some, some are by design, but uh, these are the kinds of things that are necessary to really energize us to get where we need to be in our, in our careers, in our, for our institutions, uh, to reach the levels that we know we can. And with the support in place uh, through the resources you pick up through conferences like this, the, the folks that you know, I have, I have a long list of people I need to follow up with in the coming days. Uh, that's, those are the things that, uh, it's not just the energy you get from these, uh, these events like this, it's also taking that next step uh, and follow through. And follow through means everything. Uh, you can have the best conversations ever, but if neither side or only one side follows up, then uh, oftentimes that's where things break down. And sadly, that's uh, just a reality of life. And in international ed, it's no different than any other field. Uh, you can have a great conversation one day and then... Uh, Nothing, nothing ever comes of it. It's like all the MOUs that some institutions sign just for fun, uh, just to say they have them, uh, when the greater majority of them, nothing ever, ever comes of them. So it really require, requires effort on both parties or multiple parties involved in any kind of agreements like these that might come out of this or this kind of an event. But it's one that uh, for those, if you have two willing partners who are willing to put in the effort, uh, you can really see some, some tremendous fruit grow. And uh, that's uh, hopefully for, for years to come. Uh, that's all we have for you today on the SMIE Consulting Movement Roundup. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. We look forward to chatting with you again next week, uh, May May 1st or March 1st, uh, that we'll be connecting with you next week. So looking forward to, to the conversations. Have a great day. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Cheers.